I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that explores how to navigate the 21st century economy without losing your humanity. This is the 11th edition of This Is Not Advice, a not advice column for premium subscribers of What Works. If you're not yet a premium subscriber, you can listen to a meaty excerpt from this week's column, or you can upgrade your subscription for just $7 per month to hear the whole thing. Your subscription helps to make my work sustainable and gets you access to twice-monthly This Is Not Advice episodes, quarterly workshops, and more premium content. Go to whatworks.fyi to become a premium subscriber today. That's whatworks.fyi. Today, I want to tackle a conundrum that I hear quite often among generous, caring people who make stuff online. It goes something like this. I'm just really tired of making valuable stuff that people consume for free and then never buy anything. Now look, I completely get the disappointment and frustration here. You make a podcast, a video series, or a newsletter, people listen, watch, or read. You also offer a product or service related to the content you create. If they appreciate the free content, then why don't they buy the product or service? Now, underneath this question is an assumed quid pro quo. If I make you free stuff, then you should pay me for more stuff. The vast majority of people I've heard this complaint from would not cite that reasoning. They would claim to make free stuff for various reasons, such as a creative outlet, or to help people who can't afford to buy, or as a way to demonstrate their credibility and expertise. But all of those reasons, including the underlying quid pro quo, can be true at once. And I think this all begs the question, what do the people you make stuff for owe you? And that gets to the question at the heart of any human relation. What do we owe to each other? Before we get to that much bigger philosophical question, we need to talk about what content marketing is and how it fries your brain. I'll preface this by acknowledging that I've spent most of the last 15 years either explicitly in the business of content marketing or something very adjacent to it. The reason I say content marketing fries your brain is that once you've been indoctrinated into the content marketing mindset, you seem to see the world as a series of quid pro quo opportunities. You recognize that certain stories, emotions, logical arguments, and twists of text can get you what you want with confidence. And you start to expect that creating and sharing generously entitles you to a compensatory response from those you create for. And again, I know this from experience, both from my own content marketing efforts and from helping others with theirs. Before I go much further, let me define content marketing. 
Content marketing is the practice of using written, visual, audio, or video content to attract, build trust with, and ultimately sell to customers. Just because someone is creating content doesn't mean they're practicing content marketing. The difference between creating content and content marketing, while fuzzy, is primarily the intent. Is there an intent to sell something based on the content itself? Well, if there is, then it's probably content marketing. But like I said, there's a lot of gray area here too. You might have heard people offer the advice to show up on social media or an email newsletter and give value as a way to build an audience or customer base. When giving value is in the form of content, that's content marketing. And the idea of giving value gets to the heart of the quid pro quo on my mind. Giving value sets up a scenario in which you think you're being helpful so that others will either pay attention to you or pay you for something. Now, I'm sure some will argue that that's not why they offer help or advice in online spaces. But I'm not making a case about why you do what you do. Instead, I want to argue that the this-for-that logic is like a tiny larva that eventually grows into a three-inch-long brain parasite. A couple of weeks ago, I was part of a panel about podcasting generally and pitching podcasts specifically. All in all, it was a good panel, and I largely agreed with what others on the panel shared, which is by no means a given at this point. That said, I was certainly coming at the craft of podcasting pretty differently than the other podcasters involved. Namely, I don't use my show or newsletter as content marketing 98% of the time. Now, that's not to say that I don't think about editorial strategy, calls to action, and offers that I want to make, but I very rarely, very rarely anymore, think about using content to make a sale or woo a potential customer. I make content and I make offers. Now, I spent years learning how to connect those two things, in spite of the fact that making content and making offers in an ad hoc, disconnected kind of way had already changed my life pretty positively. All right, back to the podcasting panel. As I said, it was going pretty well. But as we got to the end of the discussion, the panelists were asked for tips on pitching oneself to podcasts as an interview subject. My main tips, one, don't lie. And two, don't pitch yourself, pitch an idea for an episode. But then one of the panelists said that they advise people to leave a five-star review for the show they're pitching, then screenshot that review and include it in the pitch email. Listener, it took all of my willpower to keep from screaming or arguing in the chat. Now, I have gotten these emails. I get pitches all the time, and I've had people pitch what works, typically without ever having read a single episode description, and include a screenshot of their five-star review. Do you know what I do with those emails? I trash them immediately. First, this tactic breaks my first rule of podcast pitching. Don't 
lie. (sighs) I don't want your five-star review if you made it to get my attention. Your review has no credibility. And now your deceptive review is front and center for those who might genuinely be looking for information on my show. Your review is a lie. More to the point of today's subject, that screenshot says one thing and one thing only to me. Look at this nice thing I did for you. Won't you do a nice thing for me and have me on your podcast? Really? And by the way, it's just as bad when a podcaster requests or requires a review as part of an application to be on a podcast. Busted. Whew, okay. Now, I know that not everyone will agree that this is a not-so-subtle attempt at establishing quid pro quo. Maybe this doesn't piss you off as much as it pisses me off. That's fine. But I wanted to share this example because this is the three-inch-long brain parasite. Writing a few social media or blog posts designed to attract attention or sales seems harmless enough, and it can be. But soon, we start to see the whole world as transactional. Every interaction is an opportunity to give something and then get something in return. Everything you create becomes a debt you impose on those you create for. Thanks for listening to this excerpt of This Is Not Advice. To hear more about quid pro quos, debt, and content marketing, upgrade your subscription for just $7 per month. Go to whatworks.fyi to learn more. That's whatworks.fyi.